Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Isaiah 53, spoken prophetically some eight centuries before Christ, provides us with one of the most remarkable accounts of his suffering on the cross for our redemption. Beginning at verse 5, he was wounded because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The chastening for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we have been healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And Jehovah has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Of course, this is just a small portion from this tremendous chapter. But this chapter is matched by another portion from the Old Testament book of Psalms. Psalm 22 gives perhaps an even more graphic detail of the Savior's all-redeeming death and life-imparting resurrection. Ron Kangas has joined us as we come to uh, really one of the high, high points in this psalm. Ron, perhaps uh, there are others that have a higher revelation, but this one touches uh, the redemptive work of Christ so intimately that it's really something to cherish, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is truly a peak in the mountain range of the Psalms and probably serious Bible readers for the most part, concentrate on the detailed description of the Lord's suffering on Mm -hmm. the cross. And those details are there, and it's fitting, uh, even necessary, for us to pay attention to them. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been revealed. Right. However, there is a danger with focusing on the graphic, physical details of the Lord's suffering in his body. And uh, I'm inserting my opinion, my judgment, but in a certain way, in, in, in popular culture, I would say this has been exploited, maybe with a good intention. Mm. But, you know, human beings are easily riveted by the sight of the sufferings. What the scriptures reveal, we would ponder. But there is a risk, and that is the risk of missing the revelation concerning God's economy in the psalm as a whole. It's not, Psalm 22 is not merely a psalm on the details of Christ's crucifixion. It is written to the tune, the psalmist tells us, of the hind of the morning, signifying resurrection, resurrection life. And at verse 22 in the psalm, there's a turn from death to resurrection. And there in resurrection, we have a marvelous preview in poetic language of the issue of the Lord's death and the produce of his resurrection, which is the church. 
The assembly, that's the word used in our English translation of the Hebrew, in which church the resurrected Christ, the Son, declares the Father, the name of the Father, and in which church he sings hymns of praise to the Father. Right. And this church in reality and practicality is the kingdom. So when we're considering the first 21 verses, we pay attention to those details and especially to the fulfillment as recorded in the New Testament. But I would urge our listeners in their hearing of this broadcast and in their reading of the psalm and hopefully even their study of the life study messages, should they avail themselves of them, that they would not stop with the cross. God didn't. The Lord is not on the cross. He is in resurrection, and his resurrection, to use Brother Lee's expression, is a church-producing resurrection where we know the Father, where we are one with the indwelling Christ to sing hymns of praise to the Father and where we live the kingdom life. So I mention all this at the beginning in the hope that our listeners, whom we regard as earnest seekers of the truth and students of the word and lovers of the Lord, would prepare themselves and be open to the complete view. Here we have, in Psalm 22, the crucified Christ in resurrection, producing the church and living in the church with his brothers as the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful picture, Chris. It is. In this first section, as you mentioned, the first 21 verses of this psalm are filled with detail after detail. We've selected just a sampling of those details, I think, to make the point that this is a very graphic portrayal of the sufferings of Christ on the cross for our redemption, but not to end it there. We will definitely see this brought into resurrection for the production of the church. Here's Witness Lee. I wonder whether many of you, have you ever groaned before God? I doubt. Okay, let's read verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is this kind of preaching or complaining? Do you know who complained this? Apparently, David complained. Actually, Christ. And Christ complained in this way while he was on the cross. David was a type of Christ. A suffering Christ. Through the suffering of crucifixion. The Jewish people adopted this way to uh, execute the criminals. To put two pieces of wood, then the whole body will be hanged on this. There was real suffering. There was crucifixion. And they pierced his hands and fate. Then he was poured out like water. Even in Isaiah 53, 12, says his soul was poured out. That is a real suffering. Right? All his bones were out of joint. Then his heart was like wax melted within him. 
his heart was melted. Eventually, God has put him in the place of death. On the one hand, it was man crucifying him, killing him, but eventually, God put him into death. Okay, at this juncture, Christ cried, My God, my God, why you forsake me? This was not at the beginning of the crucifixion. This was at the middle part. If you read the four Gospels, you could see in the first hours, all things were done by men. Men persecuted him. Men killed him. But at noon time, God came in. When God came in, the whole universe became dark. And it was by that time, like Isaiah 53 says, God collected all our sins, transgression together, and put upon Christ. So at that time, Christ became the number one sinner to be our substitute. We have to realize all the sin of the world was put upon him. So God forsook him. You know why he was on the earth? Not one minute God left him alone. But there is a short time at his crucifixion God left him. So he cried, my God, my God, why you have forsaken me, right? And this is a precarious death, to die for us. First Peter 3.18 says this clearly. He died as the just instead of the unjust to redeem us from our sins and from God's judgment and also from the eternal perdition. This is Christ's death. Well, I've always thought if the Lord would ever call me to uh, preach the gospel in Jerusalem, I'd like to do it from this passage. It uh, seems unmistakable, doesn't it? I can't think of a more fitting, more convicting, more powerful portion of the word to use in preaching the gospel but in the spirit of the Lamb. To follow Paul in saying, we preach Christ crucified. There can be no bypassing and no minimizing the necessity and the all-inclusiveness of his death on the cross. He was on the cross for six hours, The first three hours may be considered a kind of martyrdom Mm -hmm. because he was tormented, scorned, jeered at, mocked by those who hated him. And this psalm speaks of that. And it was not during those three hours that he cried to God concerning God's forsaking him. But in the second three hours, the atmosphere changed It was midday, but the sky became dark. And during that period of time, the second three hours, God considered him sin for us. He was made sin for us. Our sins were placed on his body on the tree. And he suffered for our redemption, the just for the unjust, in a way that only God can fully appreciate. Uh, Borrowing another scripture, 
From John's writings, we might say, herein is love, that God gave his Son in this way. When he was forsaken by God because he was made sin on our behalf, according to John 3.14, he was in the sight of God, the fulfillment of the bronze serpent. According to Romans 8.3, it was during that time God who had sent his Son in the likeness of the flesh of sin and concerning sin, condemned sin in the flesh. It is unspeakable. It is marvelous. And your suggestion that if you ever were called and appointed and anointed in Christ to speak the word, that would be a fitting word because we know from the prophecy in Zechariah that when the Lord returns and all the tribes wail because of him, the remnant of Israel will look upon him whom they have pierced and mourn for him. Mourn for him in his two statuses related to his sonship, his being the only begotten and his being the firstborn. So the cross and the crucified Christ must be proclaimed in the power of resurrection. Resurrection presupposes death. Resurrection is on the dawn side of the cross. And we can only love him, appreciate him, adore him, embrace him, open our entire being to him as he comes into us in his resurrection life as the Spirit. The line of a well-known hymn goes through me, just part of it. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Mm. What a Savior. Hallelujah, what a a savior. I like to rephrase my opening remark. Let me say it this way. If the Lord ever calls you to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, and I'm fortunate enough to be there to hear it, I hope you would speak from this passage. I appreciated that very much, Ron. Okay. We pointed out, you pointed out, this psalm takes a turn at this point, but not just the psalm's turn at this point. God's economy turns at this point. Christ on the cross becoming Christ in resurrection. And we will see in this Second section today, a little of the fruit of that turning point. Here's Witness Lee as we conclude our program. After verse 21, we have to come to verse 22, 23. Actually, only these two verses speak about Christ in his resurrection. I, that means Christ, I will declare your name, whose name? God the Father's name. I Surely this indicates he became resurrected. If he was left in death, he cannot declare, right? Declare God, the Father's name, to my brothers. If you read the Bible carefully, very strange. While Christ was on this earth with his disciples, he was three and a half years. He never called his disciples the brothers until the day in the morning he resurrected. You know the story. Then that Mary, who loved him to the uttermost, and wept in front of him, so the Lord just cannot spare himself but to talk to her. And told Mary, 
I am now going to see my father, also your father. I'm going to see God, also your God. You see, my father, also your father. And this means what? This means all the disciples became God's sons in his resurrection. And he said, further, go to tell my brothers. Go to tell my brothers. Before his resurrection, the disciples were his disciples, but not his brothers. Because they have not been regenerated. But Christ was resurrected, and all the believers, including you and me, were resurrected with him and in him. This is not all. (laughs) The next half of verse 22 is very, very meaningful. In the midst of the assembly. This is the title of the church. In the midst of this assembly, I will praise you. Who is you? Father God. Praise the Father. Here, you do have the title of the church mentioned. I will declare, Father, your name to my brothers in the midst of them. Am I right? Actually, in composition, should be said this way. In the midst of them, I will praise you. But the Lord changed the pronoun them to the assembly. My brothers are not only them. My brothers, they all became the church. Ron, this is a very short verse. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. But two monumental points, aren't there, in this short verse. My brothers, the assembly. It would be easy to pass over this, to take this for granted. But if we have light from the New Testament, especially from Hebrews chapter 2, where this is quoted, we will stop here. My brothers, who are these people? Following the principle of interpreting Scripture by Scripture, we should go to John chapter 20, and when the Lord manifests himself to Mary Magdalene, he says, Go to my brothers. My brothers, that's the literal fulfillment, the actual fulfillment of what is in this verse. My brothers. Well, he wasn't referring to his siblings, his younger brothers, the other sons of Mary. He was referring to his believers who, according to 1 Peter 1.3, were regenerated in his resurrection. And because they were regenerated, God became their father. The Lord could say, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So this is of tremendous significance because it points to the producing function of the Lord's resurrection. He now has my brothers, many brothers. The brothers are the components 
of the house of God, the church. Then the psalm says, In the midst of the assembly I will praise you. If I remember correctly, in the Septuagint translation, the Greek translation of the mm-hmm. Old Testament, you have a word for synagogue used in relation to the crucifixion, and the word ecclesia used in relation to the Lord's resurrection. And that is the Greek word used for church or assembly in the New Testament, indicating that in the Lord's resurrection, something marvelous was produced, a corporate entity, a corporate expression of the triune God, the house of the living God, composed of the sons of God and the brothers of Christ, the body of Christ, the new man. This is all signified by the assembly. It is for this reason we join Brother Lee in referring to Christ's resurrection as the church-producing resurrection. After redemption was accomplished, and in that redemption, he not only shed his blood, but released the divine life. Redemption is signified by the blood mentioned in John 19.34. And the life is signified by the water mentioned in the same verse. The life released in the Lord's death was imparted into God's chosen and redeemed people in resurrection, making them the brothers of the Lord and producing with them the church. So what a picture in Psalm 22, the redemptive death of Christ for which we praise the Lord Mm. and the church-producing resurrection of Christ in which We enjoy the Lord. This is at least in the form of a sketch, a full view into Psalm 22, which I say again, is a mountain peak in the mountain range of the Psalms. Couldn't help but think as you were speaking and as Witness Lee was sharing there, you know, we have these 21 verses as you said, very easy to get lost and just focus on those exclusively. Then you have these two short verses. And to separate them from the other 21 does a terrible disservice, both to the Word of God, but really God's purpose, because those 21 verses are for these two verses. Just as it struck me that the four Gospels, which all end with the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection, are followed immediately by the book of Acts, which is the birth of the church. And the central theme in Acts is resurrection. The apostles were witnesses of the Lord's resurrection. Chapter 4 says, with great power, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection of Christ again and again. God raised Jesus from the dead. They were resurrected people, the Lord's brothers, the components of the church of God, proclaiming, expressing, testifying of the crucified Christ in resurrection. Well, Ron, I wish we didn't have the limit of the clock today. I'd like to go on from here, but uh, I have enjoyed our time immensely. Hope you'll come back when you have opportunity and we'll continue to 
carry on in this life study of the Psalms. I will look forward to that, Chris. We hope you will contact us about the printed life study volumes that Ron mentioned earlier. They are just a treasure beyond our ability to give adjectives to here without uh, sounding trite. So we'll just ask you to contact us. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Join us again in our next program as we continue this life study of the Book of Psalms. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. Testament is a marvelous and clear revelation of God's purpose and plan. In 1984, Witness Lee spoke a series of 51 messages based on God's New Testament economy, which is his plan to dispense himself into his chosen, redeemed, and regenerated people as their life and everything to produce the body of Christ, which is his corporate expression as golden lampstands in this age and ultimately as the New Jerusalem for Eternity. These messages have been printed in the book God's New Testament Economy. God's New Testament Economy by Witness Lee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. That number again is 1-888-543-3788. Call today.